Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by being, making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Well, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is James, and I'm one of the pastors here at Reach Life Church. If we haven't met, like I said, I would love to meet you afterward. It is such an honor that you would come and worship with us this morning. And for those of you who have been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we have been in a teaching series that we started two weeks ago that we've entitled At Our Core. And, you know, because we are that kind of like that new church on the block, um, we're not new in the sense that we're, we've just planted. We are about seven and a half years old. But because we've moved from West Asheville to East Asheville, we thought it would be good to take time and to have a teaching series of what our seven core values are as a church. This will help to explain who we are and why we do a lot of the things that we do. And so we've already started, like I said, two weeks ago, we started with gospel-centered, which means to be passionately united around the finished work of Jesus on the cross, Last week, Pastor Terry walked us through what it means to be biblically rooted. That means to be joyfully submitted to and transformed by the inspired Word of God. And this morning, we plan to look at what it means to be prayerfully dependent. It means to be humbly confessing our dependence on God to empower us to do three things. To know Him more fully, to live godly lives, and to make him known. And you know, if, when we talk about prayer, if we want to give the most basic definition of what prayer is, this isn't the entire definition for prayer, but just a basic definition for prayer, it would simply be talking directly to God. Um, prayer is to be the Christian's lifeline, and it's one of the primary ways that we fellowship with God. It's one of the primary ways that we communicate with God, one of the primary ways that we worship him. And, you know, while it's true, over the years I have met a few people that praying is, it seems to be like that's their superpower. They thrive in the ministry of prayer. In some ways, it's like it's spiritually natural for them to pray. But for most people that I talk to, it's not so. For most people, when it comes to praying, we have to overcome significant obstacles. Um, if we're going to pray. And and I want to begin this morning by sharing my top three spiritual uh, obstacles that I have to overcome if I'm going to be prayerfully dependent. They're on the screen here. Number one is I'm proud. Number two is I lack perseverance. And number three is I can be pessimistic. Maybe you can relate to those when it comes to your praying, what keeps you from praying. Maybe those three things keep you from praying. And when it comes to being proud, what I mean by that is there are times in my life that I can be deceived into thinking that I've got this when it comes to life. You know, I've got this. I'll only go to God when it's them hard, those hard, difficult things. I'll go to God with those, but for the rest of, of my life, I can live independently of God And I will just go to God when I need him to help me. And, you know, parents, if you have children, you probably have seen this in in your children. 
uh, when, when, they're, when my children were little, I can remember them doing something, you know, that was, they drew a picture or maybe they cleaned up their room and they came to me and said, Daddy, look, I did it, what, all by myself, right? And I would say, well, you know, God helped you, Jesus helped you. And so the next time they'd go, Daddy, I did it all by myself with Jesus. They would kind of add that in there to kind of make it correct. But, you know, we all have this little, like, Frank Sinatra that, that's living in all of us that, that wants to sing his song, I did it my way. I did it all by myself. So in order to be prayerfully dependent, it means that we have to humble ourselves. We, can't, we have to overcome pride, that thing in us that's telling us, you got this apart from God. And then when it comes to uh, lacking uh, perseverance, you know, we need to understand that true prayer is difficult. True prayer is difficult. Praying prayers that, of, of true praise and confession and, and supplication to God that come not just up here and not just what we heard other people pray at, at, the, supper time, at the supper table. Bless this to the what? Nourishment of our bodies. I mean, we've all prayed prayers like that. I've prayed prayers like that. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray prayers like that if they truly are from your heart, but to truly pray where you are, what's going on in your heart, what you need to pray to God takes a lot of discipline and energy. It takes a lot of energy and discipline to be still before the Lord, to be patient. And I'm not talking about clearing your mind, emptying your mind. I'm saying getting to a place where you can, your mind can be full to pray from what's in your heart. To wait on the Lord and to not be in a hurry. And it's difficult. Have you, have you ever noticed how difficult it can be when you're praying to keep your mind from wandering? Do we have any people that can attest to that? Man, my mind wanders. I think about everything I want to do that I should do except pray during that time. I mean, I'll, I'd, I'd like to clean up my office. I'll, clean, I'll do lots of things that I would not want to do uh, otherwise until it comes time to pray. And so instead of persevering and going through, I'm just like, okay, it's not even worth it. Let's get up. I'm going to go on and get going with my day. And I can also be, number three, pessimistic about prayer. Um, and this, this comes from faulty theology and from personal experience. It informs me about prayer. Uh, and it tells me this, that, you know, it won't really matter if I pray. It's not going to change anything if I pray. So why pray? My faulty theology comes when, when I uh, misunderstand or misapply scriptures that God clearly gives to us. Like, for example, Matthew 6, 8 says that our Heavenly Father already knows what we need before we ask. So why ask? And Psalm 115, 3 says, our God does all that he pleases. And so when you put those two together and you say, you know, if God knows what I already need before I ask, and if he's going to do what he's going to do, then why pray? Because it's not going to change anything. And then bad personal experiences have taught me that uh, sometimes or often when I pray, I don't see immediate results. And so God must not really be listening to me uh, in a way that he's going to in intervene. Those can be reasons, obstacles that we have to get over in order to pray. And yet, I, I know that we all know, as disciples, we all know that we ought to pray more. If I want to make someone feel really uncomfortable, 
all I have to do is say, hey, how's your prayer life? I rarely have someone say, man, it is so vibrant and good. Usually it's this, I need to pray more. It could be better. I, I, could pray. I do pray some, but I could pray more. And we all know that. And I don't think I need to con- convince anyone in this room that we need to pray more. And so what I want to do this morning, instead of trying to convince you of that, is I want to give you some three gospel reasons that should help encourage us and motivate us to pray. So if you're taking notes, uh, when you came in, hopefully you got a weekly on the back. You can take notes on that. The first gospel truth I want us to look at that should motivate us to pray is that Jesus prayed. Anytime I wonder why I should pray, that's the first one I go to. I go to Jesus prayed. And all throughout the gospels, uh, we read about Jesus being prayerfully dependent. We, we read about him getting up early in the morning and going to a desolate place or staying up all night and seeking wisdom from the Father. He even asked his disciples to join him in prayer. And, you know, if you study the life of Jesus, you will see him, that him praying at his baptism, at the very beginning of his ministry, it says that he was praying as the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And he prays all throughout his ministry. And then we see him praying when he's hanging on the cross. His last words were a prayer. Jesus prayed. And so we should, we should learn to pray simply because Jesus, the Son of God, was a man devoted to prayer. And a, and a couple things I want to uh, say about Jesus, uh, Jesus praying and clear up is, is number one, I want to make sure that we understand that Jesus, when he prayed, he wasn't praying to himself. Now, to some people, that can be confusing that Jesus prayed. Who was he praying to since Jesus is God? Was he praying to himself? Well, as, as we've seen in Scripture, Scripture reveals that there is one God in three persons. And so there's God the Father, there's God the Son, who is Jesus, there's God the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus prayed, He was praying in the Spirit to the Father. All you have to do is look at his prayers. How does he pray? When he's in the garden, he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. When he was hanging on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And his last prayer was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So when when we talk about Jesus praying, we need to understand that he wasn't praying to himself. Another thing that I want to clear up is that sometimes when we think about Jesus in his earthly life and his ministry, we can say, yeah, you know, he left heaven and he dwelt among us as a man. But because he is also God, he didn't really fully feel and experience everything that we experience as human beings. It's kind of like during COVID. I don't know if y'all remember that COVID, we went through the pandemic, but there were three groups of people that I remember talking to going through that season. Uh, There were people that were freaking out because the economy was crashing. They were locked up in their homes, and they don't know how they're going to make it from paycheck to paycheck. Freaking out, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then there were other people who were not freaking out, who were living from paycheck to paycheck. They didn't know where their their, uh, next paycheck was going to come, but they had faith in God. They were trusting God and that he would provide. And then there was this third group that I remember uh, talking to, and and, uh, they were the ones that uh, are retired, and they are financially secure enough 
to be unfazed by the collapsing economy. And I remember talking to this one guy. He's a believer. Bless his heart. He said, you know, I don't know why everybody's freaking out. Now, this dude was like, uh, uh, what's it called when you, he had money, okay? And he's like, I don't know what everyone's freaking out about. I'm trusting God. I know he's going to get us through it. But you know, the truth is, as I was talking to him, I knew that he wasn't fully experiencing what the rest of us were experiencing because his money, in his mind, was insulating him from anything happening if the economy were to crash. And in a similar way, listen, I think that when we think about Jesus coming down to earth and being among us, that we can think that he, though he was a man, as God, he somehow insulated himself and walked among us, and that he didn't really experience what we experienced fully uh, in our fallen human condition, that he couldn't, he can't, couldn't truly empathize with us in this life. In other words, that whenever he faced a trial as a man, all he had to do was press the deity button. You know, like in a video game, there's this like a button you can press and everything around you explodes and you keep walking forward. Like that, just press the deity button and all his problems would be taken care of. But that's not what te scripture teaches. We need to understand that's not what scripture teaches. We know that in Philippians 2 that it says that in order for Jesus uh, to become a man, he had to humble himself and he had to choose to empty himself. He emptied himself. And what I think that means partly is that while he continued to be fully God, he chose to limit himself by confining himself into a human body and then choosing to become fully dependent upon the Father in prayer, just like we are called to be. We see this in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. It says that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Here it is. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Who is that? The Father. Hebrews 5, 7 makes it clear that in the days of his flesh, while Jesus was walking on the earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Scripture is very clear that, that Jesus, when he walked on earth, really experienced what we experience. Jesus really got hungry. He really got tired and thirsty and weary. Uh, I think sometimes he was even tempted with people and because it says he... He sighed before he says something. Sometimes he's like, okay. He, ex he experienced the things that we experience. He experienced the temptations of loneliness and the pain of, of being rejected by the very ones that he loves and that he came to save. Have you ever sought to love somebody and help them and they just put the hand up to you? No. What you want to do for me is bad. That's what the world said to Jesus as he was coming to save us. He experienced those things. He was tempted, yet he was without sin. He never sinned in any of these temptations or experiences that he had. And in these times of weakness, 
In these times of difficult, what did Jesus, difficulty, what did Jesus do? He prayed. Jesus prayed. He was prayerfully dependent. That should encourage us. We also should be encouraged to pray because Jesus teaches us to pray. He modeled it, and then he said, follow me. In Luke 11, uh, there's, an, there's a, an account where Jesus has just finished praying, and some of his disciples, one of his disciples says, Jesus, teach us to pray just like John taught uh, his disciples to pray. And so he, he proceeds, Jesus proceeds to lay out what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really, it's a basic outline that teaches us how to pray. And I want to look at the, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer that's found in Matthew 9, uh, verses 9 through 13. It says this in verse 9, pray then like this. Okay, Would you, would you recite the, the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want us to, to notice some things about this. We're not going to go into this uh, prayer this morning. We, we actually did a teaching series on this uh, in 2020, in the middle of COVID. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, we, we went all the way through the Lord's Prayer. But what I want us, us to see here is that before Jesus teaches us to ask for our daily bread, before we, we ask for forgiveness, before we ask for protection, look at he, there's two matters that he of, of greater importance that he tells us to do. Look at, look at the first beginning of it. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father. He says, address God as father. This is a family matter. This is a relationship. Think of the, what your father should have been if he wasn't what he should have been. Think of what he should have been. And better than that, think of that is our father. Hallowed be your name. In other words, Father, at the beginning of this prayer, I want you to understand that I'm praying that your name would be glorified, that your name would be revered, that your name would be honored. That's how we start our prayer. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Father, I'm praying that there would be zero resistance when it comes to your will and your purposes on earth. May your plans prevail above my plans and anyone else's plans that are against you. May they prevail like they do among the angels in heaven. And you know, Scripture teaches that there is coming a day, there is coming a day when this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, will come to full fruition. When Jesus will reign supremely and he will put to end all the madness and the insanity that is going on in this world, and here's the thing, the kingdom, for those of us who have believed, has already come into our hearts. We have already been conquered by Jesus through his love, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness. And he offers it to anyone that would surrender now. He comes with kindness now. But there is coming a day, as we know, as Scripture teaches, that those who say, no, I'm not, I don't want you, God, he will have to remove from 
the kingdom. And so what our prayer is to be, what it is to begin with, as we pray, Jesus is teaching us that when we pray, our prayers should ultimately be about God's plan, God's glory, God's name. That's why we say that our purpose, our purpose, church, all of our purposes is to glorify God by making much of his son, Jesus. Now, the third motivation that I want to share this morning is, is, that should help motivate us to prayer, pray is that God uses our prayers to really affect outcomes. I put that word really in italics because this isn't pretending. It's not like the kid who's uh, out in the yard with his dad. Uh, he's, dad's got a real lawnmower and he's got that one that's blowing bubbles. But he thinks he's doing something. I'm not talking about that kind of, of father-son or daughter relationship. I'm saying that God really uses our prayers to affect outcomes. And let me, let me uh, before we move forward into this, let me be clear about something about what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the concept of manifestation. That, that, that's a big uh, teaching in, in our culture right now. And that, that's where our prayers, they, they, it's a teaching that our prayers have the power to bring into existence things that, that don't exist or things that we want uh, to, to happen. This is a, a, uh, a worldly mindset. Honestly, it's a demonic mindset uh, that teaches that if you want something bad enough, you know, what do you want? Uh, you can manifest it if you will just focus your thoughts, if you'll focus your prayers and your energies on that desire until you kind of like bend the universe to your will, until it finally gives you what you desire. You know, you want, you want to get married, you want a spouse, manifest it. You want money, manifest it. You want health, manifest it. Whatever you want to do, manifest it. That's not what we're talking about here at all. And that kind of mindset, actually, you know what it does? It makes you God. And I praise God that he doesn't, hasn't manifested everything that I wanted him to manifest when I, in my life, right? God, God knows so much better than we do. I also want to be clear that I'm not saying that prayer works. You, 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 I've said that, and you may have said that. You know, you know prayer works. And, and when we say that, sometimes we say it in like this magical, uh, it's a magical incantation. If we pray, it works. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that God works through our spirit-led prayers in real ways to bring about his good and perfect will. Jesus teaches this. He teaches us to pray in Luke 11, verse 9. Let's look at that uh, together. It says, he says, and I tell you, speaking to his disciples, ask, and it will be given to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives. Then John 15, okay, we're in John 15 again. He says, verse 7, if, he, he, he kind of uh, uh, goes a little bit deeper in what he means by asking. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me, remember that we've talked about church, we need to abide in Christ. In other, other words, we need to remain in him. We need to put down roots in him. We're not looking for anyone else to save us. We're not looking for another life outside of Christ. If you abide in me, and he says, and my words, get this, and my words abide in you. If you're biblically rooted, 
You're absorbed in my words. You, you've sat, your, your life is saturated in my word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then he says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Anyone who abides in Christ, anyone uh, who abides in his word begins to be transformed by Christ and his word, and you begin to desire and to know what God wants, and you desire what God wants, and you begin to pray accordingly for your life and those around you. James uh, 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he gives the example of Elijah. He was a man with a, a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Why? Because he prayed. That's what it's saying here. Then in verse 18, then he prayed, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Scripture is clearly teaching that God, who is sovereign over all things, has a will that will be accomplished and that he has ordained for our spirit-directed prayers to be a means through which his will comes to pass. I don't know how all that works, but I do know that God invites us to partner with him in whatever he is doing through our prayers. And what's tragic, church, is that many times we don't believe this by the way we live our lives when it comes to our prayer lives. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. What, what does that mean? It seems to mean to me that if you had asked, you would have had it. But because you didn't ask, you don't have it. I think that there are times that, that God wants to bless us and give us good things to, to see his glory, to see him at work. And we forfeit it because we simply, instead of being prayerfully dependent, we are independently prayerless. And as I said, for me, it, it can be because I'm proud, because I lack perseverance, and I can be pessimistic. I can walk in unbelief. There's a, a lot of other things that could keep us from praying. And yet, let's look at Ephesians 3.20. I hope this uh, encourages us this morning. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You get what that saying is? This is a great verse to just sit and think about, meditate on, saturate your mind with this truth. It's saying that God can do anything far more abundantly than all that we ask. So I ask this, and he could do far more abundantly up here. Or I think, man, I want, what if God did this? He's, it's like, no, he could do abundantly more. And so as I've been thinking about that, that this week, about how God has called us to partner with him and through prayer, 
and, and how he, he wants us to, to see him at work. And as I've been thinking about this, about how he also says, you know, I don't answer sometimes because you don't ask. I thought, what, what would God say yes to if only we prayed? That's something to think about, church. Who would God save and, and if we would pray for them? I'm not saying that if you don't pray for this person, God's not going to save them. I'm not saying that. He will use another means. But we'll miss out on getting to see that person being saved. What would God give us for his glory and our benefit if we asked, if we were more prayerful? What would we experience in Christ, in God? What, what new desires would he give us if we just asked? Well, you know, when you're praying, uh, one of the best things to do is to pray the truth of where you're at. We, we say this all the time, that, like, be where you're at, but don't stay where you're at. Don't pretend you're up here when you're really down here. Say, I'm down here. Lord, I pray that you would change me and bring me up here. So if you, if you don't pray, the first, you know what your first prayer should be? God, I know I don't pray. Admit it, but I want to I wanna start praying. I want to grow in prayer. What would God say yes to if we would pray? What, what victories would he give us over our sin? Things that can bind us at times. I like what Pastor Dennis Thurman said about this. He said, the word of God is very clear that without God, we cannot. And sometimes, unless we pray, God will not. God hears our prayers and he responds to our faith-filled prayers. And, and I know that this morning you might be thinking, well, um, I've asked God and I've been praying and he hasn't responded. And you know, it could be one of, of three things, reasons why he hasn't responded to your prayer or answered your prayer. And number one, it could be because you're asking with wrong motives. You're really not, when you're asking for whatever that thing is, you're not saying, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You're saying, my kingdom come, my will be done. I want to advance me and my life. I don't want to suffer. I, I want to have a good life. And, and I do too. But sometimes God's like, no. You know better than my son. You will suffer at times because you follow me. It could be because you have wrong motives. We need to check our motives. Secondly, it could be because God is, is saying wait. He isn't saying no. He's saying wait. He's saying not yet. It might be that can't happen right now because I've got something else going on right here. Or you're not ready for this. You've got some more maturing to go through before I can allow can give you that. And, you know, waiting, isn't, isn't waiting difficult? Doesn't it feel like you spend most of your life waiting for things? And it's difficult. But God uses our waiting to refine us and to develop us and to bring perseverance with, within us so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. It might be that God is saying wait, but it also could be that God, our Father, who is good, is saying no. He may be saying, never. 
not this side of eternity. You will not have that thing that you want so deeply. Or I'm not going to take away that thing that is difficult in your life. I'm going to give you grace to get through it. And honestly, that, that's probably the most uh, difficult place to be. Uh, it can be devastating to our faith. Many uh, often walk away from God because of that. Um, especially when it is a good and it's a God-honoring thing that, that if he gave you that or if he took that away, it, you really would honor God in it. You really would use that thing or you, it would enable you to serve him in different ways. But God in his heavenly, our heavenly Father, in his infinite wisdom, for some reason, not known to you on this side of eternity, is saying no. And so in the end, church, this is what it boils down to when, when we're in situations where we are not, our prayers do not seem to be being answered. We have to ask this one question, and that is, do we trust God? Put another way, can we trust God? Are you willing to trust him while you're waiting, or are you willing to trust him when his answer is clearly no? And from our perspective, God's will often just doesn't, it doesn't make sense a, a lot of the time. We can't understand why God is doing this or that or not this or that. And I have no doubt, you know, that when the disciples were at the cross of Jesus, when he was being crucified, when he was bleeding to death on the cross, I have no doubt that they were praying prayers like, God, what are you doing? Deliver him from the hands of sinful men. He's the Messiah. Deliver him. Humanly speaking, it did not make one bit of sense that a man who was innocent and perfect and that could save the world, could heal people, and do great things was being murdered by sinful men. But you have to ask the question, what if God had answered their prayers and kept Jesus from dying? I, I praise God he didn't. I praise God that God knows what he's doing. And in the end, we clearly see now why he did not save Jesus from the cross. Because if he had, then we would not have been saved from our sins. God knows what he's doing in all of our situations. And we have to come to a point where we trust God. This doesn't make sense, but I trust you. I just want to close this morning just by giving uh, three ways that, that can help us to grow in prayer. Because I've not met anyone, even if you're, uh, you have a, if you're good at praying and you have a ministry of prayer, that wouldn't say, yeah, I can grow some more. And so I just want to give three quick ways that uh, might encourage us to, uh, to grow in our prayer. Number one is we need to learn to pray. You're not born knowing how to pray. Uh, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he didn't go, what are you talking about? What did he do? He, he taught them to pray, and that's what we need to do. And as we're learning to pray, uh, we need to be biblically rooted. That's, that's important to understand. We need to pray um, prayers that we learn from the Scripture, because as we get into the, the Scriptures, it teaches us what God's 
will is. Um, I remember when I was, I remember when I was like uh, in first or second grade, um, I was at Asheville Christian Academy and my uh, teacher was taking prayer requests and I said, I want to pray that the devil would get saved. Okay, some of y'all are biblically rooted. That's not a prayer that we need to pray because scripture is very clear that he's, he's condemned. But we do need to pray prayers that we know are in accordance with God's will. That's why we need to be biblically rooted as we are learning to pray. Also talk to people who you know know how to pray. Just I've asked questions like, how have you learned to pray? And I've also asked people to pray for me, who can pray, to pray for me that I could learn to pray. So number one, learn to pray. Secondly, this is huge, schedule times of prayer. We need to schedule times of prayer. I like what uh, D.A. Carson said. He says, the reason we pray so little is that we do not plan to pray. Wise planning will ensure that we devote ourselves to prayer often, even if for brief periods. It is better to pray often with brevity than rarely, but at length. But the worst option is simply not to pray, and that will be the controlling pattern unless we plan to pray. I want to encourage you, figure out when's the best time for you to pray. Uh, Jesus prayed in all, all early in the morning. He prayed through the day. He prayed late at night. What works best for you? I would encourage you to find a, a time that you can pray consistently. And then the last one is just pray. Just pray. As it's been said, prayer uh, is not just learned in a classroom, but it's learned in the closet. The only way you're really going to grow in prayer is to just begin praying. Pray where you are. Lord, help me to pray. Help me to pray right now, and then help me to pray tomorrow. Just maybe start that way. Or teach me what to pray. Also, pray with people. Pray with other people that, can, that we can come together and pray. With that said, let's pray. Father, I thank you again for this time. And I pray that your name would be honored and revered. We pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you. I thank you that your kingdom has come through Jesus and that you have conquered us in your goodness and your kindness, you have set us free from ourselves through faith in Jesus. And that we have become your children through faith in Jesus. And I also praise you that you have called us to partner with you through prayer. Father, you've said that you are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. If only we will pray. And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in our body, in our church family, that you would awaken us, that you would draw us to Jesus, that you would make us see that we are weak and that we would become dependently more dependent upon you in prayer. Help us to pray. 
Teach us to pray. Empower us to pray according to your will that we might know you more fully and live godly lives and make Jesus known. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.